1: Hello everybody, and welcome back to New Books and Middle Eastern Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. I'm Robert Elliott, the host of the channel. Today, we'll be speaking to Dr. Vahram Ter Matavosyan about his new book, Turkey, Kemalism, and the Soviet Union, Problems of Modernization, Ideology, and Interpretation. Hi, Dr. Ter Matavosyan. Welcome to the show.
0: Hi, Robert. Thank you for having me.
1: Vahram, I wonder if you could begin the interview by telling us a little bit about yourself.
0: Uh, sure um yes uh, I'm um, a scholar currently based um, in Armenia um Yerevan I work um, at the American University of Armenia I am the I'm the program chair of political science and international affairs uh program here um, I've been studying um, Turkey for the last uh, 20 22 years it all started in 1987 um with this uh, what is called uh, postmodern coup uh, in Turkey, and it, it attracted my uh, attention as, as a as a um, uh, student of history. And then I, I kept reading it. It, it. it was really fascinating back then to see the, the difficult interplay between the military and and the civilians. And then I started to get deeper into the Turkish uh, Republican history. So I. I my first book was on political political Islam and uh, the intellectual and political origins of the Milli Görüş movement, national outlook movement, which later on gave birth of Erdogan and the new Turkish political elite that is currently running the country. And then I was simultaneously working on on on Kemalism. Uh, and then uh, yeah, I, I I also work on on Turkish uh, foreign policy, Turkish-Armenian relations, and uh, overall the 20th century history of Turkey. I am also, um, I'm also um, uh, working at, at the National Academy of Sciences of, of Armenia um, at the Turkish Studies Department, and I have been there since 2004.
1: So how did you come upon this book project?
0: Yes, um, this is, um, this. the idea of writing this uh, book uh, kept me busy for a number of years now. I, I started to come to an understanding that in order to understand many problems of current Turkey, we need to go back uh, to its ideological foundations, because uh, Kemalism uh, was not only about uh, about the past, it was also about the present and the future of Turkey. So these notions <clears throat> uh, dragged me into this um, field of Kemalist uh, studies. And uh, the more I got interested uh, in, in, into this uh, topic, the more I understood that this is a key to understand um, many of the current problems of, uh, of Turkey. So, with that um, assumptions, with that uh, research uh, motivations in mind, I, I went on to to understand that uh, Kemalism uh, is n- not only the founding ideological base of of the Republic in Turkey; it has more in it. So, and then I, I, I started to you know, pick pick up that ish, that topic. Uh, for my doctoral dissertation uh, in Norway at the University of Bergen at the Center for Middle Eastern and Islamic Studies. So uh, the more I got into it, I understood understood that until that point, mid-2000s, there was not a holistic picture of Kemalism. So there were some periodical assessment and and, uh, coverage of Kemalism, analysis of Kemalism, but and no one approached it um, as a continuation, as, as a history of Kemalism. So I started to, uh, to understand uh, different transformations of Kemalism from the 1920s uh, all the way to uh, 1970s. And then I, I understood that um, Kemalism is not only about Turkey. Uh, Kemalism was such an attractive model of development or at least was seen so by um, many nations in the post-Ottoman space, in, uh, outside of this um, space, in, in the Far East, in, in, in India, in China, that it was the external perception of Kemalism um, was uh, missing. And so I thought that, well, how could this uh, be sort of left outside? So this idea of transnational history of Kemalism also came out as sort of a byproduct of my uh, book uh, of my research project. So then I said, "Well, this is something that is really interesting, and I, I should be, I should, uh, I should write more. I should, I should read more." And then while I was reading, um, I mean, different uh, books. Um, Came out like uh, the uh, in, recently for the last five, uh, six years. The book of Stefan Ehring of Atatürk in the Nazi imagination, uh, the book by Penar Dosniego, Le Bon Dictator, uh, how, how the French looked at Kemalism in the 1920s, 30s, mostly looking at him in a positive light, and Stefan Ehring's book uh, that I just mentioned, Atatürk in the Nazi imagination, where he presents. The German perspective, uh, mostly uh, uh, right-wing uh, press perspective and Hitler's perspective on Kemalism, mostly looking at, uh, at- Ataturk and his uh, deeds, achievements. In a positive light, Hitler uh, uh, literally looked at Ataturk as a source of inspiration. Other books also uh, were uh, produced uh, recently. The book by a Pakistani... Um, scholar-historian Naim Qureshi uh, where he writes about the Indian Muslim perspectives uh, on Kemalism mostly uh, how Indian Muslims and the leaders of Indian Muslim movements, Muhammad Iqbal and others uh, looked at Kemalism looked at Ataturk as a source of inspiration. The other book was published uh, just recently a few months ago by French uh, scholars, it's also called Kemalism transnational politics in the past Ottoman world, again this is another look from the Balkans towards Kemalism, uh, from the Middle East towards Kemalism, from the uh, North Africa towards Kemalism. All this is pretty um, give a pretty uh, congratulatory picture of of Kemalism and reforms in Turkey. Uh, Another article was published last year by Jacob Landau in the Middle Eastern Studies Journal, again, which uh, presents how uh, uh, Jews uh, were looking at Kemalism, again, as a uh, as a model of development, and how Ben-Gurion, the founder of the uh, State of Israel, uh, spoke highly of um, Mustafa Kemal and his deeds. So, uh, against this background, it was rather interesting that... Um, that one component was missing. And how could a country that was one of the biggest players in the international affairs, a country that had close relations, or cordial relations with uh, uh, the newly founded Republic of Turkey, how could uh, the, the perspective of a country which, would, which had a significant impact on many aspects of Turkey's development uh, be left out, and I am of course talking about the Soviet Union, so these were the uh, sort of the things that uh, in addition to understanding the holistic picture of Kemalism also uh, kept me busy um, and I, I started to read into uh, read this uh, the existing literature in Russian and it was rather fascinating to see uh, that that bulk of transnational history of kemalism uh, was left out and against uh, all the other perspectives which were mostly positive we have the russian the soviet perspective which was mm, not so uh, supportive of kemalism at, uh, especially after 1927 so this these were the, uh, the the the major uh, contours of, of of this study. However, there should be an explanation why uh, the Soviet views were were absent. It's um, uh, mostly the Soviet uh, the scholars were mostly busy uh, with understanding the bilateral relations between Turkey and the Soviet Union, domestic revolutionary transformations in Turkey the Turkish Communist Party and the leftist movements, the Russian possible influences on the Kemalist policy of etatism, the Cold War, etc. So there was no genuine interest to understand how the Soviet Union looked at the domestic ideological transformations and modernization of, um, inside, inside Turkey. Uh, however, when we look at the literature, on Kemalism in the Soviet Union, there is an abundance of literature. It's This is what is interesting. Uh, so, for instance, in 1979, uh, the National Academy of Sciences of uh, the Soviet Union published a reference book, which is called Kemalism. And it was, what is interesting, for official use only. So only scholars with special permission could have access to this list of references, which had um published five around 500 uh, titles of those books which were um which were in foreign languages and on uh, kemalism from 1930 to 1976 another book again a bibliography of turkey was published um in 1982 or and that was that was also about all the books published on Turkey from 1917 to 1975, and it also had a, a section on Kemalism. So we are talking about a huge uh, literature that exists uh, on domestic transformations of Turkey in the 1920s all the way to 1970s, and how Soviet scholars uh, looked at this in a, in a, in a consistent uh, uh, basis. Uh, we. I also looked at in in this study at the periodicals um, at that time, mostly the Communist Party periodicals covering the Middle East, uh, the Communist International, Comintern periodicals, um, People's Commissariat of Foreign Affairs uh, periodicals, and pe- the periodicals produced by research institutions in the Soviet Union. So there is a there is an Abundance of literature on on domestic transformations um, of Turkey, on Kemalism, different aspects of Kemalism, and uh, this this came to present a completely different, uh, neglected aspect of Kemalism, the Soviet perspectives on Kemalism. So the book basically um, consists of two parts. The the first part, uh, the, the big part, is about history of uh, transformation of Kemalism itself. And the second part is about the Soviet uh, perspectives on Kemalism and its uh, development and um, Soviet interpretations of Kemalism.
1: Why do you think that scholars in the West have ignored the Soviet literature on Turkey and Kemalism?
0: uh it's uh, it's really interesting so uh, i I'll, my explanation is that um they were not interested uh in this topic um they looked at kemalism uh mostly their, their notion their interpretation of kemalism oh, was uh, in line with um, the the the inertia of of existing interpretations and that was or looked at look at the, this Muslim uh, country, which was able to overcome its Ottoman past and to become a role model for the Muslim world, for the for the for the East. Uh, so the world didn't really want to have a better understanding of the of the Middle East. Um, uh, they they wanted to look at Kemalism mostly. As a, as a successful model. And uh, in addition to this, I guess, uh, and, but the Russian perspectives and approaches were quite different from the uh, orthodox interpretations of Kemalism. Uh, the other approach, um, I think that Russians had a better understanding. Or the Soviets had a better understanding of of Turkey than uh, it was the case with the West. We have to remember that the the, Sov- uh, the, the Russian Empire and then the Soviet Union had a very strong uh, Orientalist studies. And, and they had a tradition of uh, studying uh, the Orient, uh, the Middle East and Turkey, including Turkey. And the other one, of course, I would say, the, the, the language uh, obstacles. Um, it's, uh, the, so far, there was, has been only one uh, American scholar in 1963 who wrote um, a short survey of, uh, of the Russian perspectives on Kemalism, it was uh, in 1963. It was, uh, I guess, it was a PhD student who, who wrote about this about this topic. But other than that, um, there has been nothing uh, about the the, the Soviet uh, perspectives on, on Kemalism. So I would I would say these were the key um, issues that kept uh, the Western observers um, away from the Soviet perspectives on Kemalism.
1: You mentioned in your text that Kemalism is very difficult to define, and there's not even one Kemalism, not even if we look to the period of the 1920s and the 1930s. Can you talk about these different kind of Kemalisms?
0: Kemalism is is rather a complex um, phenomenon. Uh, If we just go the the short way and say Kemalism is... um, is an ideology. It won't tell us the complexity of this uh, of this phenomenon. Um, I think it's um, uh, Kemalism is more than its six principles uh, that are widely known: republicanism, nationalism, laicism, revolutionism, populism, methodism. Um, Kemalism is uh, is. Uh, Is uh, The way that that I look at Kemalism is basically composed of two big components. And uh, I look at Kemalism um, as an ideology that was viewed as normatively constructed collection of ideas and concepts which uh, were endorsed by a political party or by state institutions, for instance, army uh, and uh, some other big um, uh, state institutions, and they they look at Kemalism, the second um, analytical framework was the system of principles. So ideology and system of principles. When I look at it, at system of principles um, or system of thought, it's an extensive application of circumstantially adjusted ideas, norms, values, and visions by different agents which try to adjust Kemalism or the interpretation of Kemalism uh, according to their needs and according to their uh, uh, worldviews. So um, I, I have even come up with uh, a number of definitions of Kemalism, and I can assure you that there are more than um, 100 uh, definition of Kemalism so I, I don't I didn't want to be the one I didn't the first uh, uh, uh, uh, person to who who offer a new definition so I, I would rather uh, I would rather come out with uh, come up with uh, something uh, a working uh, definition the definition that I have in my book is basically that Kemalism um, has Strong continuation uh, from the Ottoman past; it has um, uh, it, it it has presented a new conceptualized development model according to the needs and according to the uh, challenges that Turkey was facing uh, in the nineteen twenties and thirties. So, um, from that perspective, uh, it's rather interesting also to understand the origins of Kemalism. So, some scholars date. Uh, back, um, trace back the origins of Kemalism all the way to 18th century. Others, uh, mostly in the uh, to the 19th century there there are even scholars who have an exact day when Kemalism was started. And uh, some are saying it's 19, 19 uh, December when he delivered his famous speech in uh, the, in, in Turkey in Nevşehir. Some are saying no, it's uh, the, the the date that is o- openly accepted by the Kemalist um, historiography and that is uh, May nineteenth, nineteen ninety nine, when uh, Mustafa Kemal famously landed in Samson and, and the sentence that uh, opens his famous book, uh, Nutuk, uh, his speech that he delivered in 1927, nineteen twenty seven, thirty six hour speech uh, that he that he presented um, at um, great congress uh, as it is presented in the kemalist historiography uh, he opened the book he opened his speech with a sentence i landed in samsung on may 19th 1999 so these uh, people are presenting it as, as as a starting day for for Kemery. so against that spec- this background what is rather fascinating is how the soviets were able to use the term kemalism with its ideological connotations much earlier than the term became a, a common buzzword in turkey so that makes the soviet perspective uniquely distinct so what my book is uh, is presenting what my book is trying to show that the the marxist leninist um, approach uh, towards kemalism was its all old, old awkward lexicon that he was using, it was also helpful to how the Soviets looked at Kemalism as an uh, ideological uh, experiment much earlier, like I said, that it was the case in in, in Turkey. It is overall accepted um, that for the first time the term Kemalism with ideological connotation was used in 1929. Uh, it was presented by Yakup Kadri Karayolcu and a few of his supporters. And then, in 1931, six principles of Kemalism were introduced. In 1935, the the, the term Kemalism was coined on these six principles. And in 1937, these six principles of uh, of the ruling party were incorporated into the constitution. Uh, so, what I am showing in my book that. Uh, yes, this is only the domestic uh, picture, uh, but uh, people should not ignore the external interpretation of Kemalism because the word Kemalism was a, was a big uh, w- in Russia in the Soviet Union. The term Kemalism was was used as a, as, as a normal phenomenon. And uh, you, the people, uh, scholars, historians in the Soviet Union in the 1920s and 30s, uh, they wrote articles, books on Kemalism uh, in the 1920s, like uh, at least a decade earlier than it was um, used um, uh, in in Turkey. The first uh, uh, definition of Kemalism, Kemalism that I came across was in February 1921. Uh, were um, diplomats, Soviet diplomatists, sending a cable to, uh, at that time, Soviet Russia, saying, well, uh, oh, Kem- this is the definition of Kemalism. And it's, uh, this is rather interesting. Um, and all the time the Soviets were at liberty, Soviet scholars, um, diplomats, observers, Communist Party functionaries were at liberty of using Kemalism uh, and analyzing Kemalism from different perspectives, but then we we uh, comes 1927 um, uh, when uh, Stalin uh, delivers his famous uh, speech where he defines Kemalism, uh, and after that point onwards, all the interpretations of Kemalism were to be in line with uh, Stalinist definition of Kemalism. Uh, basically, Stalin said that um the, the kemalist revolution uh, was a revolution of the national mercantile bourgeoisie and which was created during the struggle against the foreign imperialist and in its further development uh, was directed essentially against the peasantry and workers against the very possibility of an agrarian revolution so he was uh, quite upset uh, uh, uh, that uh, the agrarian revolution was not happening in Turkey. And at some point, we see how the Soviets were interested in trying to facilitate the agrarian revolution in, in Turkey. Um, so, uh, but, uh, but Kemalism as a phenomenon, uh, as an ideological construct, project, had a rather interesting fate. So until 1950s, it uh, was Kemalism. But then we see the rise of a new term, the second phase uh, alter phase of, of Kemalism, and that was Ataturkism. Um, so it's rather really interesting. They picked they picked, uh, they picked uh, uh, Kemal At- Mustafa Kemal Ataturk, Ataturk the, the, the last uh, the part of the surname, and put it as a foundation for a new ideological breed uh, deriving from Kemalism. So we have Kemalism, we have Ataturkism, and there are of, there is of course left Kemalism, right Kemalism, neo Kemalism, post Kemalism. Uh, so there is no shortage of of concepts uh, used around um, Kemalism.
1: So you mentioned um, the introduction of Adatürkism instead of Kemalism in the 1950s. So during this period of time, Turkey is undergoing a lot of. Pretty radical structural changes with World War II and um, you know the İsmet İnönü coming to to office. How did this changing political context of the 1940s and the 1950s affect both hegemony and the content of what Kemalism and Atatürkism is in Turkey?
0: The, what needs to be understood that um, uh, that after Atatürk. Died in 1938, uh, there were lots of doubts about the um, future of um, Kemalism. And what Inonu was able to do, he brought this um, bureaucratization of uh, Kemalism. And it is rather interesting that some scholars even introduced the term Inonuism as a sort of uh, continuation and to some extent a rupture from the from high Kemalism uh, of the 1930s, so we see these uh, zigzags of Kemalism already after um, um, um, Mustafa Kemal's death. So after Atatürk, um, the, the the gates were open for different interpretations of Kemalism to come into play. And um, we also see in the, in the Russian perspectives, the Soviet perspective, help us to understand um, what happened to this uh, hegemony, uh, or I would say alleged hegemony that Kemalism was able to uh, create in its, own, uh, in its own country. We see how the Russian perspectives, the Russian sources help us to understand uh, how they were able to identify early on. That there was a merger uh, of the state and and the ruling party. Uh, If it's in in literature on on Turkey, in the literature on Turkey, 1935 is is um, accepted as a as a year when there was a final merger merger of the state and the party. Uh, However, the Russian scholars uh, present uh, the year 1927 when Uh, there was a merger between the party and the state. The ruling uh, party, Republican People's Party, was able to control basically everything. Uh, And uh, it was a single party, period, and uh, that party took it over everything. And uh, uh, Russian sources also help us to understand that the ruling party had a poor institutionalization uh, and it was uh, structured, structured wise, the, uh, the RPP, the Republican People's Party, was uh, ill developed, uh, was um, not reaching out to the grassroots. It, it had poor grassroots support. It uh, also uh, helped us to understand that in the 1920s and 30s, um, um, Kemalism remained very elitist, very urban centered um, ideological construction. Um, and uh, like the periphery was not fully aware of the ideological nature um, of Kemalism and different objectives that it uh, followed and the Russian perspectives are also quite informed The Soviet perspectives are quite informed if you could see what I presented in this book how informed were the discussions about uh, the the present and future of Turkey uh, there are so many interesting details. Um, the Soviet scholars uh, visited uh, Turkey on a regular basis, uh, and they were able to understand different um, phases of its development. Moreover, there were so many joint projects um, that was going on uh, that were implemented by uh, jointly by Turks and uh, the Soviets. That uh, the that the Soviets had a hands-on experience. On uh, on Turkish domestic transformation. So when we understand all this, we see that in the nineteen forties and fifties, um, İnönü's uh, um, period uh, was uh, created um, problems for Soviet-Turkish relations, and the Soviets started to look at um, uh, İnönü mostly under the negative. Um, light, because in his geopolitical um, uh, preferences he, he he tried to take a pro-German neutrality. Uh, that's a term that is mostly used in the literature, and so he he he, he took that position, which alienated uh, the Soviet Union and Turkey. Um, and uh, we see how they how the the history of the Soviet Union and uh, and Turkey enter a phase of tensions that goes all the way to mid 1960s so this um, different uh, uh, interplay difficult interplay of hegemony adjustment and reconceptualization of kemalism help us to understand um not only uh Turkey of the 1940s and 50s and 60s, but also uh, the, the, the external interpretations, external approaches uh, of, of uh, towards Kemalism.
1: Well, we've taken up a lot of your time today. Um, as is the traditional final question on New Books and Middle Eastern Studies podcast, what are you working on now?
0: Um, currently, I'm working on um, global... Global fascism and its Turkish um, manifestations. So the, the the Turkish manifestation of uh, global fascism. I look at global fascism as an interesting phenomenon, as a phenomenon that is uh, why, quite um, neglected, ignored, and I am trying to uh, under uh, I'm trying to argue that Kemalism uh, and Young Turkishism the forefathers of kemalists in the late ottoman period uh, and the, many of their deeds many of their reforms and uh, and policies should can be also approached from the global fascist perspective uh, global fascism was uh, was all encompassing uh, phenomenon uh, in in the mid uh, 20th century uh, in the first half of the 20th century that helped uh, uh, and affected many nations around the globe. So I'm I'm working on it, and um, I hope uh, my next uh, book uh, will be exactly on this uh, topic.
1: That sounds like a very interesting and provocative project, and I I really look forward to reading it when it's ready. Uh, I want to thank you for being on the show today. I I really enjoyed our talk.
0: Thank you very much.